very thankful for the ministry of this church in our lives and really thankful for the ministry of Jesus and His Word in our lives through this church. Um, but in this series, Thy Kingdom Come, His Reign in Our Lives, we're looking at in Mark chapter 3 through 5 how the Son of God takes on flesh and begins to establish His kingdom here on earth. And what does it look like when the kingdom of God begins breaking into the kingdom of this world, both in our world and also in our lives? But 2,000 years later, I think if we're honest, most of us are thinking, I thought maybe more would change than this. 40 million Americans in the last 25 years have stopped coming to church. It seems like every quarter we hear another story about a pastor, Christian celebrity who, who has decided to leave their faith, and they're going to write up an Instagram post about how you could do it too, and how much better you're going to feel when you let go of the psychological pressure of being like God and just be yourself. And if we're looking in our own hearts, sometimes we're thinking, I didn't think it was going to be easy to be a Christian, but I didn't know it was going to be this hard. Or maybe you're looking at your life and you're thinking, I just don't think God's Word is having the, making the kind of changes in my life that I was hoping it would when I started this journey with Jesus, right? Um, if, if Jesus is who Mark's gospel says he is, how come his word doesn't do what we think it should sometimes? How come it doesn't change us the way we hoped it would? We're going to look at this passage in, in Mark where people are wrestling with the exact same thing because Jesus took on flesh and he begins proclaiming the kingdom of God. He says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. Believe the good news. And then he begins healing. He heals a paralytic and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees start to lose their minds. And they're like, who is this? He says he can forgive sins. No one can forgive sins but God alone, which should have been a clue to them <laughs> about who he was claiming to be. But they said, no way, we're out. And he goes, so you can know I have the authority to do what I say to forgive sins? Rise, take up your pallet and walk. And instead of seeing like, oh my gosh, God's here, they harden their hearts. Okay, the, then crowds start following Jesus. People are, are beginning to follow him. He calls Matthew a tax collector. This is someone who's turned his back on his culture. He's, he's deciding to go with the Romans against his people. He's betrayed his people. He's betrayed God, and he's just taking their money, padding his income on the side, and we know this to be true because he throws a party after Jesus says, you follow me, and he's got a big house, and it's a big party, and he's got a lot of friends, and this is a very poor culture. So we know he's been pulling some money off the side, maybe a lot of money off the side. And Jesus says, you follow me. And, and Jesus comes and he's ministering to Matthew and his friends. And they said, this guy's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And he says, I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners. Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick, sick people do. And some people are hearing him and their life's turning upside down and they're leaving everything and following Jesus. And other people are saying, I don't want to hear this. This does not seem right at all, okay? I don't think we can fully grasp how hard it would be for these first century Jews that some of the experts in their religion, the people who have given their life to understanding God's Word, when God comes, reject Him. They can't explain why He's doing what He's doing and how He's doing what He's doing. So they say, it has to be the power of Satan. 
which makes no sense whatsoever. Like, it has to be the power of Satan that's healing people and forgiving their sins. That's what it is. And, and they're saying, how can we destroy Jesus? And to answer, how can God's Word not affect so many hearts? Jesus tells us what He does here in Mark chapter 4. So open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, and let me pray. God, I pray that you would open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from your word. God, I pray you would give us ears to hear what you want to say to each of us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything's in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear it, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that's sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. But then when tribulation or persecution arises on the count of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. This is the word of the Lord. Well, Jesus is teaching, and as we said, some people are mad, some people's lives are being turned upside down, and others just want to see what all the fuss is about, a big crowd of people. And Jesus knows so many people are coming that he actually pulls back and sits in a boat because that's how big the crowd is. And he tells a parable. Now, this parable on face value is not super deep, right? Like most of your like third through fifth graders could tell or understand 
this parable about seeds, right? Especially if they've ever germinated a seed in a wet paper towel and a little plastic bag on the kitchen counter, right? They know exactly what this means. And then Jesus sits down, and, and, and not the whole crowd isn't there anymore. It's the 12 and some who are with them. It's a little bigger group, and they're asking, what does this mean? And then he confounds us, and he shares this quote from Isaiah. And he says that they may indeed see but not perceive, and indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. We don't have time to get into everything about this quote, right? But what he's saying is, after Isaiah was called by God, and God said, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. God tells him his, his ministry is going to be proclaiming the word of God to a people who don't want to hear it anymore. And, and one thing Jesus is doing at least is saying, don't be surprised that those people are still with us, okay? That's one thing he's saying for certain. Now, this is confounding, and that brings us to the point of what's a parable. A parable is not an illustration that just makes everything clear. And it's not an allegory where we can just let our minds run wild and say like, okay, well, what's the bag the sower has the seed in? And what are the worms that are in the dirt? And what do the roots mean? And some of you love to like have a great imagination and just really run wild, but it's not an allegory. We don't get to give our own meaning. And we know that because this one has an answer key. This is a teacher guide. Jesus tells us what it means. Now, the thing about a parable is some of you have heard this. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, right? But the problem is it's confounding. And its meaning lies below the surface. And it's not just that we grasp it on a cognitive level, but it, it messes with us. It's something that the more we wrestle with it, it affects us not only what we think, but what we feel and what we do. To understand a parable is to be changed. So Jesus tells this parable, and the point is this. The reason people aren't responding to my word, it's not the messenger, it's not me. It's not the one sowing the word. And it's not the message. It's not my word. The problem is them. And specifically, it's that they're not hearing what I'm saying. And so he talks about these four soils. Let's look at the first one. The hard heart. Jesus' reign is accomplished through hearing his word, but if you have a hard heart, you're not hearing anything, right? In verse 4, it's not soil at all. It says this, some seed fell along the path and birds came and devoured it. And he explains this in 15. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that's sown in them, okay? You guys ever overseed your grass? I try this. I have no idea why I try to do this every year, but I, I overseed the, the yard, and the seed's not expensive. You know this. It's not, expensive. It's not inexpensive. And all of a sudden, there's birds everywhere. And they're eating all my seed that I spent a lot of money for, but it's not getting in because my backyard's hard. And what they're leaving behind is going to grow exactly what I don't want in my backyard, right? Some of your hearts are like this. It's like when you recommend a, a Netflix show to your parents. You know, some of you are the parent. And you've been recommended a Netflix show, and you start watching it, and there's an accent, or, or the speech is quick, and you can't exactly hear it, or the background noise is too much. But you don't want to turn on the subtitles. So 10 minutes go in, and you turn it off, and you're like, that show had no point. I don't even know what they were trying to say. Some of you guys are like that with God's Word. It's not that there's nothing being said or nothing's going on. It's that you can't hear it. You're tuning it out. Some of you hear God's Word and you think, this is ridiculous. This is anti-science. This is anti-intellectual. 
in the last 20 years, we hear God's Word, and some of us think, this is immoral. If there was a God who sent His Son into the world to redeem us, to bring His kingdom on earth, how likely is it that He would just rubber stamp everything we believe? How likely is it that His Word would teach exactly what we think now at this moment, which is things you didn't even believe 20 years ago? How likely is that? Do we evaluate God's Word, or does God's Word evaluate us? Some of us can't hear because we don't want to hear what God has to say. The problem isn't that you're too educated or that God just isn't for you. The problem is you don't want to hear Him. Some people reject God's Word because their heart is hard. Don't let this be you. Don't let this be you. The second soil is a shallow heart. We see this in verse 5. It says, Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. And Jesus explains this. He said, These are the ones sown on rocky ground, verse 16. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. It's like, oh my gosh, God's changing their life. It's so encouraging. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. It's heartbreaking. We've got some sunflowers on our front porch. If you've driven by my house on 12 Mile, I apologize. Because if you drove by in the morning, you'd think, man, these flowers are awesome. We've been working hard in our yard, and it shows nothing. But these sunflowers, we threw them in this little raised bed my daughter did. It's like this much dirt. And they popped right up, and we water them every morning. I, we don't. My one daughter does. And by the end of the day, they're wilted, and it looks like, why have you never watered these things? And we know this to be true. When you plant something in, sh in uh, like shallow dirt, it's going to pop up because it warms up quicker, and it's looking amazing. And then it gets hard, and it's out. Some of you are one hardship away from walking away from the king of the universe. Maybe it's a medical condition. Maybe you're starting to feel the social cost of following Jesus for the first time in your life. And before, oh, it's nice, you go to church, that's fine for you, it's not for me. And now people are looking at you different. And you're wondering if you're missing out on some promotions or some opportunities because of your beliefs. When it gets hard, will you turn away from the king of the universe? Your faith is based on your emotions. You, wanted, you didn't want Jesus to come into your life so you could join his kingdom. You wanted him to join your kingdom. And when you find out that he's not trying to build your kingdom, you're out. Some of us abandon God's word because we have a shallow heart. Don't let this be you. We see a third soil in uh, verse 7. It's a distracted or a divided heart. It says, Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And then Jesus explains this in verse 18. It said, They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This seed falls among thorns. It doesn't get enough nutrients, right? We brought a, bought a shrub from English Gardens, and I, I don't want to tell you what I paid for this thing. 
It's just, it's so little, but it wasn't cheap. And I put it out there, and this thing's supposed to end up being 18 to 20 feet tall and just shield me from the road. And I'm really excited for it. Problem is it hasn't grown in at least two years. It hasn't grown so much that we don't know how old this thing is. And my neighbor, the reason I'm thinking about it is my neighbor cut a tree down and it fell and took half the branches off the one side of it. You know why it doesn't grow? Because I planted a bunch of mint in my front yard, which my wife told me not to do because it's just going to grow all over, which it did. And it's, the mint is getting all the water and the mint is getting all the nutrients and the mint is growing. And my expensive little half shrub, <laughs> nothing. Some of you are in the exact same spot in your faith that you were 10 years ago. You're not growing. Why? Because being a Christian is hard? Because our church doesn't have all the right programs for you? Because your small group's like hard to relate to and you can't get anything talked about because the kids are so loud and your house isn't big enough? No, it's because you're letting God's word be choked out of your life. There's so many other voices, you're not hearing it. You love a lot of things. You love God, but you love a lot of things. Our work's important. Colossians 3.23 says we should work with our whole heart as if working for the Lord and not for men. Work's important. Money's important. Paul says this, if anyone doesn't provide for his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever, 1 Timothy 5.8. So work's very important, right? When somebody prays like, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, Martin Luther said God provides through our work. God provides by somebody who was at a seed company and a farmer who planted the seed and somebody at John Deere who engineered the tractor and the combine to, to harvest it, right? And then somebody designed a truck to get it to the bread baking company and to get it to the grocery store and your car to get it back home, right? So work is very important. The problem is if we make it as important as God in our lives. Uh, Proverbs 38 and 9 says this, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. If I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. I mean, some of us have been poor, and we know there's nothing overtly spiritual about wondering where's my next meal going to come from? How am I going to pay this bill? Right? So we're not saying God's word is not saying be poor. But also, it's not, it's not saying being rich is wrong, but it's saying it's dangerous. Because we may get to a place in our lives where we think I did this. And I don't need God and I don't need anybody. And in fact, in our culture, that's a definition of success. For me, growing up with very successful hardworking parents, some of the, the most successful people are working twice as hard as the rest of us. And they, and they can think, I did this. But when you're growing up that way, you're thinking, we don't need God. It makes it challenging, right? It's deceitful, the deceitfulness of riches. It promises happiness. If I just had a little more, how much we all want is a little more than we have now, right? That's where we're at. A little more. If I had a little more, then I'd feel happy because I could have that thing instead of this thing. It promises security. If I had this, I would have no problems and nothing could shake us. It promises significance. Man, if I have that many zeros, I don't care what you think about me because I'm a big deal. I'm significant. And if we're honest, a lot of what can drive us is the deceitfulness of riches. 
Because our riches offer something that only God can give. Only God can give us happiness and satisfaction. Only God can give us security. Only God can give us the significance we're longing for, and we're looking for it in the wrong places. Money will never be enough. It's not bad, but it will never be enough to take the place of God in our lives. So some of us, the, the money is throwing us off. We're serving money and using God instead of serving God and using money. Some of us, it's the cares of this world. A couple years ago, I was asked to plant a church. And they told me, you need to do it now. Because of your age, when you're planting a church, you're going to reach people five to ten years younger than you and five to ten years older than you, most naturally. And the problem is, people 35 to 50 don't go to church. And I was like, why is that? And now that I'm getting to be in that age range, it's, it's our kids. It's our kids' sports, activities, the cares of this world. To, for our kids to have the same life that we had one generation ago, even half of it costs 10 times more financially and with our calendars. If we looked at our calendars and what's pulling us from, from having ourselves seated here on Sunday, hearing the Word of God, it's, it's the cares of this world at times and wanting to give our kids... Those, and I, I am wrestling with this with you. The problem is we don't want to get our walk with God so choked out that we don't grow because we're not listening to His Word. Some of you, you haven't abandoned God. You haven't rejected Him, but you're not growing because you're not hearing Him. You're not growing because you're not hearing Him. Brings us to our last soil, which is a good soil, a fertile heart. Fertile heart. Look at verse 8. It says, The other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And then Jesus explains this in verse 20. And he says, the ones that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. How do we know the soil is good? It bears fruit. You plant it like a, a grain of wheat, and it, the plant grows up, and you're looking for the little grains on each side of it. You plant an apple tree, you're looking for apples. I planted an English walnut tree. You can already guess where this is going. No walnuts. No walnuts. Um, if anybody wants to help me out, like, find me afterwards. Um, the reason we know the, the soil is good is because there's fruit. There's fruit. What does this look like? Jesus doesn't tell us exactly what it looks like. He leaves it ambiguous. Is the fruit looking more like Christ? Is it living for his kingdom and not this kingdom? Is it making disciples and and because of you, there's more people in the kingdom? Probably. He, he doesn't define it that way. He defines it as hearing God's word. Every other hearing of God's word was in the past. They heard it and walked away. They heard it and abandoned. They heard it, but it was unfruitful. Now it's hearing God's word, ongoing. You're hearing God's word. It's bearing fruit in your life. You're accepting that it's bearing fruit. There's a hint in the... In the parable before. When Jesus is explaining in 335, he, he says, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. There's a hint in our parable in 10, when, it, when he was alone, those, those with him, with the 12. It's those who hear God's word. Maybe you don't get it, but you want to know more. So you're coming to Jesus. You're hearing. 
you're accepting, you're learning. How many of you guys have been, you know, you see a little kid that you haven't seen in a while, and the first thing you think is, they grew so much. You guys know what I'm talking about? You see a kid, and the kid thinks you're crazy, and the parents think you're crazy, because they see that kid every day, and they can't see any difference. But for you, you're like, oh my gosh, they're just sprouting up. I want to encourage some of you. Some of you are the good soil. And you think you're not growing because you look yourself in the mirror every day. And it's little by little, it's a seed. It's not springing up quickly. It's springing up slowly over time. And it's bearing fruit slowly over time. You are growing. Don't compare yourself. It says 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Not all fruitful seed bears the same fruit as everybody else. Don't compare. Don't compare yourself to others. Some of you are facing hardships and you don't know how you're going to do it, but it's not pushing you to turn away from God. It's pushing you to cling to him and say, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I need you. I'm not going to get through this unless you carry me. That's good soil. You are growing. Some of you are, are not immune to the cares of this world, just like I'm not, but you're saying, I need your voice, Lord. I need to hear your voice. I want to hear what you have to say on this. I don't want to live for this kingdom. I want to live for the kingdom that's breaking in, the one that's going to last, and you're growing. You are growing. I want to encourage you guys in sharing your faith. You you look out in the world and you think, nobody wants to hear this. Or you say, oh, this person that was so encouraging, the way they responded, then they fell away. I I guess I did it wrong. Jesus is saying, no, the problem isn't me. The problem isn't the message. The problem is people aren't hearing. Don't give up. Don't give up. For parents, I want to tell you this. One of the challenges if you're living in the third soil and you're so distracted by, by the things of this world and you're, you're worshiping Jesus and you're worshiping a lot of other things alongside him, the best you can hope for for your kids is to be the second or third soil, that when things get hard, they're out. If you are pushing into Jesus and saying, it's hard, but I need you to help me. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but, but you've got to quiet these voices so I can only hear yours. Your kids are seeing that especially for you moms. You guys have so much on your plate. It doesn't feel like you're growing maybe, but you are. You're walking by faith and it's making an impact. It's going to bear fruit in your life and in your kids. So stay encouraged. What's the hope for us in this passage? I think the hope is that God the Father is sending his son and the kingdom of God is breaking into this world. It's breaking in in secret but it's breaking in for anyone with ears to hear. Anyone who hears the voice of Jesus and says, I want to know more, he'll explain it. Jesus is warning us in this parable with very challenging words so we don't miss out. Every follower of Jesus at one time or another doesn't hear his word, gets pushed away by hardship. Look at Peter. Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. And God wasn't done. Don't judge yourself by one point in time. Come back. The hope of this passage is that there's only one person who heard every voice, every word of the Lord, and was faithful with Jesus Christ. There is one person who never disobeyed the voice of the Lord. And we see that in Mark's gospel as he's, as he's baptized. He didn't need to repent. He didn't need to consecrate himself to God. As he faces temptations in the wilderness, and never sinned. He perfectly lived up. He perfectly bore fruit. At the end of his life, he's crucified, 
for us, for us who would never hear His Word apart from Him, for us who will never bear fruit without Him, to bring us into His kingdom, to make us good soil. Do you hear His voice? When the Son of God took on flesh, dwelt among us, His kingdom began breaking into this world. Some lives were turned upside down and some walked away. Some followed Him and some opposed Him. Don't miss His voice. Don't miss His voice. Jesus came as a lamb to inaugurate His kingdom. There was a time when it could be rejected. There was a time when His voice couldn't be heard. When He returns again to set everything right, it will be as a lion. Everyone will hear His voice. Every knee will bow, but it will be too late to repent. It will be too late to hear His word. Don't let that be you. If you hear His voice today, don't harden your hearts. Let me pray. God, I thank you for coming for us, Lord. You know we can't bear these hardships alone. 